Hello, and a very good day to you. My name is Jim Harris, and this is Heritage Bible Radio. Heritage Bible Radio is an extension of Heritage Bible Church in Boise, where it's my joy to serve as the teaching pastor. Every day, we devote our radio time to studying a portion of the Word of God so you can know Him better through Jesus Christ and serve Him better through your local church. This week on Heritage Bible Radio, we come to the end of chapter 10 in the book of Mark, beginning with verse 46. Jesus and his disciples are on their way back up to Jerusalem, where Jesus will be turned over to the authorities and crucified. He has told his disciples about this. They still didn't really comprehend it, but the mood was somber. Verse 32 says that as they headed toward Jerusalem, the disciples were amazed and fearful about what they would encounter there. But they make some stops along the way, and the stop we'll be looking at this week was Jericho. Mark has been writing about Jesus' miracles throughout his gospel, miracles that proved Jesus spoke and operated with the authority of God. And even while Jesus is on his final march up to Jerusalem, here he stops to perform one more for a blind beggar. Have you ever looked at yourself as a blind beggar? That's hard for us to do most of us sighted, probably none of us begging on the streets, yet it isn't a far-fetched comparison, but one we must embrace. Here is today's slice of the sermon entitled, Jesus's Final Miracle of Mercy. And moved with compassion, Jesus touched their eyes and immediately they regained their sight and followed him. Notice the inclusion, Jesus was moved with compassion. What were they begging for? Mercy. And Jesus shows them compassion. That's always the response of God to your needs. What does the word compassion mean? The the C-O-M is a prefix for with, passion, feeling. Compassion is very similar to sympathy. I I feel for you. I I understand. I, I care. That's always God's response to your needs. He is always compassionate. God is the only being in the universe where you can come before Him, fall on your knees, and say, this really hurts. I don't know how to describe it, but you know what I mean. And He's the only one who does, who really always does. Always merciful, always kind, always loving. Now, I cannot say to you that He will always heal you. I can't say to you that He will always meet your need in some miraculous way or that He will always meet your need on your time schedule, but I can promise you He will never leave you, He will never forsake you, and He is always full of compassion, always full of mercy. Now think about, again, the context of the setting of this in the life of Jesus. Jesus is on His way to a cosmic appointment. He's on His way to the cross. He's resolutely, voluntarily going to Jerusalem where He will voluntarily die for the people who wanted to kill Him. That's pretty astounding. You wouldn't be surprised if... He just kept moving. But that's not what He's like. He stopped. 
He listened to the two guys shouting over the crowd. He's turned. He stopped. He healed them. He saved their souls. We'll talk about that in a moment. And then he apparently goes back into town and deals with another of the outcasts. This is so significant that it's two beggars who would be ignored by their society and Zacchaeus, who was a tax collector, who was absolutely despised by his society. Those are the ones that Jesus scoops up into his spiritual family on his way to the cross. That's how he is. Nothing is an interruption to Jesus. However it is that God chooses to respond to your cries for help, I promise you it will always be in accordance with His character. He'll always meet your, way, meet your need in a way that deepens your faith and makes you more useful to Him. He will always provide you comfort. 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verses 3 through 5 Three of my favorite verses in all the Bible. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Notice this description of Him. The Father of mercies and God of all comfort. And what does He do? Who comforts us in all our affliction so that we may be able to comfort those who are in any affliction with the comfort with which we ourselves are comforted by God. Do you see two things in there that are guarantees? You're going to be afflicted, you're going to be uncomfortable, and God is going to be your comforter. He cares. He understands. He is compassionate. Verse 5 says, For just as the sufferings of Christ are ours in abundance, so also our comfort is abundant through Christ. I don't even remember how many times the word comfort occurs in those three verses. That's God. Now, notice also, thinking back to what Matthew said about this, Jesus took a moment to touch their eyes. He most often healed, uh, touched people when he, when he healed them, but you know, he, he didn't need to. Some of His healings He did from miles away. But that's His, that's his compassion. That's how, much he, that's how much He cares. The touching isn't the issue, but showing the compassion, showing the connection to the people. And, and do you remember, Jesus would touch people who were either considered outcasts or even people who were ceremonially unclean like lepers or dead people. And unlike under the, the law where if you touch something unclean, you become unclean, Jesus would touch the unclean and make it perfect. That's how much He cares. And He healed them instantly. He worked around the very physical laws that He had created, and He did what was humanly impossible. And finally, we see that Mark tells us that these men of faith continued down the path of the logical development of their faith. They, they followed Him. If you're not willing to follow Jesus, now, they could do it literally get in with the crowd and follow Him to Jerusalem, which I believe they did. But we follow Him by doing what He tells us to do in His Word. 
If you're not willing to follow Him, if you're not willing to obey His instruction, then don't be a hypocrite and call out to Him for help. He's already given you the best help that He can in His revelation to you in the Scriptures, which it says contains everything you need for life and godliness. So the personal application for you to do as these two men did is to follow Jesus, learn from Him, know what He says, obey His Word. Now, I called them men of faith. That label is because of how Mark says that Jesus said to them, Go, your faith has made you well. Now, look how Luke expounds on that and what Jesus said to Bartimaeus and the results. Luke 18, 42 and 43. And Jesus said to him, Receive your sight. Your faith has made you well. Immediately he regained his sight and began following him, glorifying God. And when all the people saw it, they gave praise to God. Jesus specifically recognized the faith. Demonstrated through their words like, They know what the Scriptures teach about the greater son of David. They know what they'd heard about Jesus is true, that He is Lord. They understand the character of God, that He is merciful. And Jesus said, your faith has made you well. Now, would you remember back to all of those miracles that we'd seen? How many times, how many countless times Jesus heals people who have no faith? As a matter of fact, of the thousands that he healed, a few actually stuck with him. They, they, they would come and throng around him for the, the miracles and the, and, and the free food and the, the fascinating teaching and the encouragement and, and the uplift of it all. But when it came down to, will you deny yourself and take up your cross daily and follow me? Like John 6 says, and many were walking with him no more. But not this guy, not these two guys. Your faith has made you well. The word translated made you well is uh, the word uh, sozo. You that studied 64 days of truth, remember the word soteriology for salvation. Sozo is the word that means to save. It's essentially any kind of rescue or deliverance. It can be rescue from a physical affliction or a, or a danger, but in its, in its most common usage in the New Testament, it's the word for spiritual salvation, being delivered from your sin through, through Jesus Christ. And with these two guys, clearly Jesus meant both of those meanings of this word. Their sight was restored and their souls were saved. They were made right with God. Now, how can we tell? Well, what would you have observed if you were there? Before the crowd comes along, the two guys are sitting by the roadside, probably saying alms for the poor, alms for the poor, and occasionally there'd be a clink as someone would drop a coin into the, the, the jar or the tray or whatever they had there. And then the crowd comes, and then these two guys are shouting for Jesus. And then Jesus deals with them, and you would observe right away, <laughs> they can see. I imagine the guy ran back and got his cloak. It was going to get cool that, that evening, or picked it up on the way as they went back to head toward the home of, um, 
of Zacchaeus. So you could see that they'd regained their sight. Interestingly, the word for... If you would like this message on Compact Disc, let me know and we'll send it to you. You'll receive the entire message, not just the portion on today's program. You can order by phone at 353-4036 or by writing to us at 7071 West Emerald, Boise, Idaho, 83704 or on the internet at hbc-boise.org. Heritage Bible Radio needs your prayers and your financial support. Once again, you can reach us online at hbc-boise.org or by telephone at 353-4036 or by writing to us at 7071 West Emerald, Boise, Idaho, 83704. And if you need a church home here in the Treasure Valley, I hope you'll visit us any Sunday at 7071 West Emerald. For Heritage Bible Radio, I'm Jim Harris. See you next time. Bye-bye.